Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It's good to be with you, beloved family. I pray you had a wonderful Christmas. And of course, December 25th was only the start. It ends at Candlemas, uh, the presentation of our Lord, that little baby in the temple, on February 2nd. So we pray you have a beautiful Christmas tie this entire season and pray you had a blessed New Year. Of course, Catholic New Year is the beginning of Advent. Advent is the beginning of the liturgical year, <clears throat> and January 1st of the secular year, but a great um, celebration for us as well, who live in the secular world, uh, while our hearts are in heaven, in the spiritual world. Um, because it is still Christmas, and will be, and I, um, uh, I ask, uh, I just wrote something recently, and I forget what it was, but um, I know I, I was trying to exhort everybody to um, don't take your trees down, don't take the lights down. It's still Christmas, and the secular world, Christmas is over. They started before or after Thanksgiving, but it has nothing to do with Christmas. But for us, Christmas began. Um, it's the Christ Mass at Christmas Eve when the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob came down from heaven through a virgin and was born in a stable. And that is the beginning of the Christ Mass for us. Many people say instead of Merry Christmas, they say Merry Christ Mass. It is the Mass of the Christ Child um, that begins uh, Christmas Eve, Christ Mass Eve, um, and concludes on the Feast of the Presentation, otherwise known as Candlemas, on February 2nd. Um, it's the most beautiful time of the year. And so I don't want to go on as if Christmas was over. And one of my very favorite saints, he's not been canonized yet, uh, is Bishop Fulton Sheen. I've read much of what he's written. Very, very beautiful. And he wrote a little book. <clears throat> I'll show it to you here if I can. Let me see if I can get this to you. It's called, <clears throat> let's see, The True Meaning of Christmas. The True Meaning of Christmas. And I would love to, where did I put it? I'd love to read it to you. It's a little booklet. We may not finish today. It has illustrations in it and such. Um, but let me give it, let me, um, let me get a start. Um <clears throat> Hold on now. And he dedicates this book uh, to the mother of Christmas, the Virgin Mary, that she may form Christ, the Son of God, in us, as the Spirit formed Christ in her. And it begins, there are only two philosophies of life, one, the pagan, the other, the Judeo-Christian. In all pagan religions, man tries to climb to God. In the Judaic Christian tradition, God comes to man. 
by revelation to the prophets uh, for the Jews, in the flesh for the Christians, in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But the fact is, um, he comes in the flesh uh, not just for Jews, not just for Christians, for the entire world. When he came in the flesh, there were no Christians. Um, it just everybody, uh, the world was pagan except for the Jewish religion that God formed through Abraham. And he continues, in religions such as Buddhism, Confucianism, Hinduism, and the like, man is the wooer and God the wooed, man the seeker, God the found. In the Judeo-Christian tradition, the role of man to God is that of mirror to light, echo to voice. What has revealed the love of God where we are concerned is that he has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might have life through him. That love resides not in our showing any love for God, but in his showing love for us first. When he sent out his son to be atonement for our sins and therefore our Savior. <clears throat> Archbishop Sheen writes, We love because he first loved us, and that is direct quote from 1 John 4.19. Our God, our Lord, our Savior, sought us as a shepherd seeks a lost sheep. He left all of his kingdom behind, all of the security of his servants, everything in heaven, to seek out us, to save us from our sins. It has been said before that many times a baby has become a king, but only one time has a king become a baby. In all the hustle, all of the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, it is very easy for us to lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas. Let us take some time to reflect on the beauty and the gift that we have every day through the year in Jesus Christ. Let us remember that even though we fail and we fall and we don't deserve any of the blessings that we receive through his grace, his love for us is so astounding and so profoundly immeasurable that through his mercy we are saved. So how can we share this blessing? How can we share this gift? According to the venerable Fulton Sheen, the role of man to God is that of a mirror to light, echo to voice. So let us echo his voice of love and mirror, his light of kindness and compassion and truth. If truth needs to be declared, let us declare it with love. If unrest exists, let us face it with compassion and kindness. If people are hurting, afraid, lost, let us show them the love the Father first showed us through our patience, kindness, generosity, and gentleness. If we are rejected, we can brush the dust from our shoes and move on. Joseph and Mary were turned away at the inn, but God had a stable waiting for them. We may well have to search for a stable some days. Our Lord deserves our worship, no doubt, but he, isn't he great? He, I'm sorry, let, let me start that again. Our Lord deserves our worship, no doubt, but he isn't great because we make him so. He is who is even without our love and devotion. 
He came to us out of his love for us. No other historical God has ever claimed that. Let us reflect upon this when we come into his presence this Christmas and ask him to help us to love as he loves today and for all the days to come. Hold on, beloved. There's more. I'm going to go to the... I'm, I'm reading this online, but I'm going to go to the um, actual book. Hold on now. Let me just... I didn't realize it was just an excerpt I was reading online. Let me find this and read it from the book. <clears throat> okay. him. Okay. Um, let me go back just a little bit. God loved us first. God's love for us is not affirmed because we seek him or reach out to him. And he responds to us. God does not love us because we are lovely or lovable. His love exists not on account of our character, but on account of his. Our highest experience is responsive not initiative. God loves, and we are loved. It is true that as men mount in knowledge, hold on just a moment here. I need to, I need to do something. Hold on. Okay, beloved. <clears throat> it is true that as men mount in knowledge and in virtue, it seems as if God begins then to love them. This is only because they are now, for the first time, sensitive to his love, or because they removed the barriers that kept the love of God from shining upon them. A man who is blind from birth, having had an operation on his eye, which restored his sight, might think that the sun was just beginning to shine in the heavens and the flowers just beginning to bloom. But all of these things existed since the beginning, although his eyes were not in the condition to see them. <clears throat> Please listen to this, dear ones. Don't think, don't ever tell your children that if they are good, God will love them. They should be good because he loves them, and nothing they do will ever take his love from them. I'll continue here. Every child at the age of six or seven begins to be conscious of his mother's love. But the mother bestowed love on her child before the child was born. The maternal solicitude and love existed before her portals of the flesh were thrown open or the child was conscious, conscious of affection. In like manner, all the yearnings we have for good are the crying out of the soul for God under the influence of his love for us. Every demand for the spiritual comes from God, whose finger stirs our soul. Every yearning we have, beloved, is a gift of God to seek him and to love him and to know his love for us. There's the music for our first break, dear ones. We'll continue this right after the break. Don't go. And we'll take your calls and your emails after the second break and the toll-free number one 511 
beloved, this is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. Catholic Radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful. For it. Catholic Radio to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1 877 888 6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live. I am thrilled to be with you, dear ones, after... um, uh, the new year. I'm thrilled to be back. And we are beginning uh, the true meaning of Christmas by um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He's one of my heroes. And it's just so beautiful. So I'm reading from his little booklet. We won't finish it today, uh, perhaps tomorrow. But um, let me continue uh, where we left off. And the main point of our reading is that um, God does not love us because we love him. He loves us because he is love. He is God. And we are loved. And in response, by his grace, we learn to love him. It is true, now the reading from the booklet, it is true that as men mount in knowledge and in virtue, It seems as if God begins then to love them. This is only because they are now, for the first time, sensitive to his love, or because they removed the barriers that kept the love of God from shining upon them. A man who is blind from birth, having had an operation on his eyes, which restored his sight, might think that the sun was just beginning to shine in the heavens and the flowers beginning to bloom. But all of these things existed since the beginning 
although his eyes were not in the condition to see them. Every child at the age of six or seven begins to be conscious of his mother's love, but the mother bestowed love on her child before the child was born. The maternal solicitude in love existed before her portals of the flesh were thrown open or the child was conscious of affection. In like matter, <clears throat> all the yearnings we have for good are the crying out of the soul for God under the influence of his love for us. I just needed to repeat that paragraph. If we desire God, if we yearn for him, if we want to love him, if we want to love him more, it is by his grace, his wooing, that we have those desires. Every demand for the spiritual comes from God, whose finger stirs in our soul. Every desire, you write in or you call in or you are alone in your home and you say, I wish I loved God, I don't love him, or you're, you're sitting at the adoration before the Blessed Sacrament and you say, my heart's so cold, I feel so far from God. Those are yearnings for God. Don't worry about your emotions. They are gifts from God, desiring, giving you the desire for him. As the chemicals have no right to say there is no life above them, and the rose has no right to say there is no life above it, so man has a duty in his rational moments to recognize that there is a higher life above the human. But if our human life <clears throat> is ever to be lifted up, be incorporated into the divine, God must in some way come down to us. Chemicals are taken up into plants. Plant life is absorbed by animal life. Animal life is incorporated by the human. Shall not the human be lifted to the divine? But plants can assimilate chemicals and animals can consume plants and man can take animals unto himself without consultation. These things are appropriated by sheer force. But God, having made man free, will not destroy his freedom. There will be no confusion of humanity by divinity. If man is ever to be taken up into the divine order, there will have to be a free act on the part of man. God comes to man, not to devour him, but to consult him. Can you imagine? God, every time I see a little ant on the ground, a tiny little ant, and I know I could step on it or blot it out in a second, but that's what we are to God. He could just blot us out. And he comes to us not to devour us, but to consult us. How condescension that we have no, we can't fathom. One day there came out from the great white throne of light an angel of light descending down over the plains of Esedra, um, Estrelon, I'm sorry, Estrelon, coming to a virgin, kneeling in prayer, saying to her in the name of God, Will you give me a human nature? Speaking in the name of all humanity, will you by an act of freedom say, Here is a man? The woman answered, Fiat, be it done. The woman's role is submissive and surrender. 
Here, woman was playing her greatest role, surrendering herself to God. But no human nature could ever be formed in her womb without fire and love and passion. There are other fires than those of the flesh and other passions than those of men. The fire and the passion and the love that descended upon her was the spirit and the flame and the love of God himself. Nine months passed. One night there rang out over the stillness of an evening breeze, out over the white chalked hills of Bethlehem, a gentle cry. The sea did not hear the voice, for the sea was filled with its own voice. The great ones of the earth did not hear the cry, for they could not understand how a child could be greater than man. There were only two classes of people who heard the cry that night, shepherds and wise men. Shepherds, those who know they know nothing. Wise men, those who know they do not know everything. Only the very simple and the very learned discovered God, never the man with one book. When the shepherds and the wise men came to the crib, they saw a babe whose tiny hands were not quite long enough to touch the huge heads of the cattle, and yet were the hands that were steering the sun and moon and stars in their courses. They saw baby feet that did not walk, and yet one day would bear the weight of divine omnipotence. They saw eyes that might have read the secrets of every living heart that hour, that hour, under the baby brow, they knew was beating a mind and an intelligence that fashioned the universe, and with it a human intelligence that would grow in age and grace and wisdom before God and man. <clears throat> this babe, who is named Jesus, which means Savior, is not a man. He's not a man who made himself a god, nor is he an ethical reformer like Confucius or a teacher like Socrates, nor one who would develop into a, great, a greater consciousness of his godhead as time went on. Do you, do you understand that, beloved? There are people who say Jesus didn't know he was God as a baby. That's insane. But rather he is true God and true man, for he did not cease being God when he became man. There was no conversion of his Godhead into flesh, but the taking up of manhood into God. When we say that God became man, we do not mean that the Godhead was cut down to human dimensions. It means, on the contrary, that a human nature was taken up into the person of God and made one with him. This union is called the incarnation, which literally means an enfleshment or made flesh. There was not room in the inn. Out to the hillside, to a stable cave, where shepherds drove their flocks in storms, Joseph and Mary go for shelter. There is in a place of peace there, in a place of peace and tranquility, in the utter abandonment and cold of a wind-swept cave, there, under the floor of the world, Mary, 
as a flesh and blood ciborium. You know what a ciborium is? It is the golden chalice that holds the host, Christ, in the form of bread. Mary, as a flesh and blood ciborium, lifts up to the gaze of all the host of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. He who was born without a mother in heaven is born without a father on earth. Of every other child born into the world, friends might say that it resembles his mother. This is the first instance in time that anyone could say that the mother resembles the child. Here is the beautiful paradox of the child who made his mother, therefore the mother is only a child, a creature of God. It was also the first time in the history of this earth of ours that anyone could ever think of heaven being anywhere else than way up there. But Mary, with the divine child in her arms, now looks down to heaven. The human nature which God assumed was taken out of the world of freedom by a free act on the part of Mary, his mother. God's way with man is not dictatorship, but cooperation. Pope Francis, God's way with man is not dictatorship, but cooperation. He would redeem humanity with human consent and not against it. Christmas is not something that happened such as the Battle of Waterloo <clears throat> is something that is happening. What happened to the human nature which Christ took from Mary by her consent can happen in a lesser manner to our human nature by our free consent. On our part, there must be the free response of man to the divine initiative, but this implies dying to the lower existence of sin and selfishness, pride and lust. To become a Christian does not mean reading religious books or singing hymns or being kind to neighbors. It means sharing the divinity that first came to us at Bethlehem. We can conceive of our manhood being taken up into God. Since God has humbled himself to take our nature, when this Christ life gets inside of us, it affects our intellect by giving us a truth which reason itself cannot know. It affects our will by giving us an impetus and an energy for good which we could not produce of and by ourselves. It is, in the truest sense of the term, a rebirth, except this time we are born not of flesh, but of the Spirit. As someone has said, we are all eggs at present, but we just cannot go on being ordinarily decent eggs. Either we have to get hatched to the divine or else we rot. The descent of God to man and eternity into time makes a tremendous difference to all people whether they ever heard of him or not or whether they respect him or not. Beloved, we'll be right back after this break. Don't go away. 
O God, who dost behold how we are afflicted by reason of our wickedness, mercifully grant that we may be consoled by reason of thy visitation. Suffering is a remedy for ignorance. We are afflicted by reason of our wickedness. So often we suffer because of our wickedness. It's what we have done that causes us the suffering. I mean, imagine, oh, I don't know, emotionally, socially, in our family, the effects of a hangover. You get drunk, you get a hangover. You feel sick to your stomach. The next morning you feel terrible, right? That's a very easy connection to make. It's much less easy to see that by our selfishness, by our pettiness, by our immaturity, we are the cause of the suffering in our own families, in our social circles, in my life, in my work, in my whatever it may be. It's less easy to see those connections. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. We hear all the time from listeners who discovered the station by seeing a Tri-God bumper magnet in traffic. You can request a free bumper magnet and start evangelizing just by driving around town. Go to thestationofthecross.com and click on Promotional Material under the About tab. There you can request a magnet for your listening area. We even have one for the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Request yours today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. <clears throat> this is our half hour together. Uh, for your calls, your emails, with anything whatsoever on your heart, toll-free number, again, is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the com. I'm going to take, oh, not even two minutes of our, um, uh, maybe three, of our time now to just finish this good little um, message, the booklet, um, uh, Reverend Fulton Sheen's message on the true meaning of Christmas. Um, let me backtrack um, just a little bit. As someone has said, <clears throat> we are all eggs at present, but we are just cannot go on being ordinary eggs. Either we have to get hatched to the divine or else we rot. The descent of God to man and eternity into time it's huge. God to man and eternity into time makes a tremendous difference to all people, whether they ever heard of him or not, or whether they respect him or not. From that point on, it is possible for man to divinize himself, not by his own efforts, by res- but by response to divine life. Our modern world is bathed. Now, we don't become God, but we become like him. We awake in his likeness. 
Just as our modern world is bathed in radio and television waves, but only those who are tuned in to to them receive their messages of knowledge and enjoyment, so too there is a radiation through history of this divine life, but only those who freely appropriate it ever enjoy its peace and blessing. Once, however, we ascend to the crucifixion of that which is low and base in us, his life can make the feeblest, filthiest of us blaze with a dazzling, radiant light so that we become as stainless mirrors that reflect the life of God. The process is not easy because the purpose of God's coming to man was not to make us nice people, but to make us new creatures. If marble suddenly began to bloom, and flowers suddenly began to move from shade to sunshine, sunshine, and dogs began to quote Shakespeare and Dante, they would be manifesting a power and a capacity which was quite beyond their nature. So too, if we who are creatures of God, pieces of his own handiwork, began to be partakers of his divine nature, and in the truest sense of the word, his children, This would be something that transcends our nature far more than a marble blooming or a dog quoting poetry. The power is there to make us different than we are. It is for our freedom to decide if we will respond and if we are willing to pay the price of having the the dross burned off the gold in the flames of love. Let it not be said by anyone, I am too foul, I am a beast, I am not worthy to be lifted up. It was to assure just such persons as these that he was born in a stable and on his first night in this world, companioned with beasts. How beautiful. I hope Bishop Sheen is canonized, but that's up to God. His writings are just so So beautiful, beloved. So beautiful. Okay, now, what did I just do? I think I just closed down. Let me open it again. Okay. Here we go. Um, All right. We have a call from someone who's calling in anonymous. Hello, dear one. Hello, mother. Hi. Go ahead with your question. So... There is a person in my parish who wants to extend a adoration event, and the priest has either he's not willing or he doesn't want to, but he's not um, removing or putting the Eucharist back in the tabernacle. And personally, I felt it is wrong that any lady outside of the priest should ever touch the Blessed Sacrament. You are right. And I explained this to said person and said, I would rather there be no adoration at all than to even possibly offend our Lord. Um, And I I, I got kicked back from um, the friend, and he said he would consider. But he asked me if I wanted to participate in the adoration, if he found somebody else to do it, and I told him no. I will not participate if the priest is not 
the one who's doing the exposition. What's the difference if it's him or somebody else? If it's not a priest, there's no difference there. That that's what I thought, but I just wanted your take because, as long he's having a very hard time finding people to um, fill in the time slots for the uh, adoration, and I feel like this might be a sign from God that God doesn't want this. Um, no, God doesn't want uh, lay people doing that. How was the Blessed Sacrament exposed to begin with? Was it the priest? No, they're having um, a lay person remove it from the tabernacle and put it in the monstrance. No way. No way. No way. I think you should go. The lay people are not going to accommodate you. They're not going to believe you. Um, I would just go to that priest and say, Father, it's a sacrilege for anyone but you to expose the Blessed Sacrament and to repose him with Mm -hmm. proper benediction. I, I, I have to told him that, but he tells me that um, Vatican II makes an exception, which I, I have read the Vatican documents, and I don't think it does. Well, ask him to show you where. <laughs> Say, Father, that. would I you show you, it to me? What's that? We love you. Well, we love you, too. Just say, Father, I was not aware of this. Would you show me where it is? I would appreciate it because I'm not at all aware that the church has turned this over to lay people. Um, would you simply just show it to me? So I, you shouldn't, he shouldn't have a problem with that. If he gets angry, he's just made that up about Vatican II. And as far as I'm concerned, even if he showed it to me, I still would say it's wrong. There's been huge sacrilege since Vatican II. And lay people should not be handling the Blessed Sacrament. So no, I wouldn't go at all unless it was properly and reverently done. Okay. Thank you, Mother. You're welcome, sweetheart. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you very much. You as well. God bless. Thank you. Let me see now. Um... We have an email from Annie. I wonder if we haven't already taken this, but I'll, I'll, um, I'll read it. Um, Mother, over the weekend, I heard a disturbing story about Cardinal Burke having his benefits taken away by Pope Francis without any explanation. Also, he will now be charged about four times as much money for his Vatican apartment. Um, if he keeps it because the apartment was initially taken away and then um, they determined that he could, if he could pay four times the rent, uh, he could stay. And uh, Annie says, this breaks my heart around Christmas time, no less, and I cannot see any hint of Christian charity in these actions. There's no hint of Christian charity. That's why you can't see it. Um, She says, oh, how I wish Catholics around the world would wrap Cardinal Burke in a warm embrace to show our support for him. What can we do, and how should we react? Can you tell us anything more about the situation? Well, as far as I know, Cardinal Burke does not have a formal appointment in the Vatican at this point. Um, And um, he's been a critic of Pope Francis, uh, among others, 
which is the only understandable reason why Pope Francis has done what he's done. He's angry. Uh, he's offended by Cardinal Burke, and so he, uh, kind of a power play, took his stipend and his apartment away, which is the only thing he has to live on right now. But, um, like you, Annie, the faithful all over the world love Cardinal Burke. We certainly do. He began... Uh, he uh, was with me when the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. He was then Archbishop of St. Louis and invited me to found this community. So we have a great, wonderful and um, connection with him and are grateful for him. So what the faithful can do around the world is absolutely pray for him. Um, I know many who would take him in and give him a home, religious orders, uh, other people, lay people would, um, we would as well here in uh, Texas, in uh, in Tyler, Texas. We have the land we could take him in. So he will not lack. And he, again, founded the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in um, La Crosse, Wisconsin. He could always stay there. So it's not that... It, I don't know if there's a place in Rome that he has. I would imagine there are places in Rome where people would also invite him. So... It's a shame. He won't be homeless. Uh, he won't lack food. Um, but um, the Holy Father has simply shown his colors um, to, to come against someone who would, in, in perfect cardinal manner, um, uh, in charity, correct the Pope. That's what the cardinals are um, elected to do to be the Pope's safeguard, to correct him in doctrine, to help him in wisdom and guidance. And Cardinal Burke has done nothing but that. So, um, Annie, we pray for Cardinal Burke, but we pray for the conversion of Pope Francis. Um, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, is it true that the current Pope recently stated I may go down in history as the one who split the church. And if so, how did you react to that statement? I have not heard that. Um, it wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it if he said it, because at the moment uh, it looks like he is splitting the church. Um, certainly with the latest uh, document on, um, on the so-called blessing of homosexual unions, um, Okay, my my um, wonderful producer, James, he's so, so good. And he just gave me, um, he just gave me an article where it was reported by 1 Peter 5 that that was the case. Um, so you're giving me news that I haven't even um, had yet. Um, so on 1 Peter 5... Um, yes, uh, and it's dated um, December 23rd, Pope Francis reported words, I might go down in history for having split the Catholic Church. Well, it's the first time I've heard of it, but I would say uh, he will go down in history for having split the Catholic Church because um, he is the one that's causing schism. Our Holy Father is the one that's causing schism. How? Um, not by his opinions, but by um, 
going against uh, unchangeable truth. That doctrine cannot be changed. One cannot bless sin. One cannot bless a homosexual couple. A couple, uh, to, to call them a couple is to insinuate that they are a couple. And there's pictures of Father James Martin and other blessing homosexual couples while they're holding hands. They're living in sin. Um, our Lord put to death all of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, Apostle Paul wrote that no homosexual will enter the kingdom of heaven. To bless these people is to damn them to hell. Um, there's no way to get around that docu document uh, at all. So um, my response, if the Pope said that, is that he's aware of what he's doing. Um, I think he's aware of the evil. Um, and I think it's deliberate. So um, that's my response to that. We'll be right back. Please join us in a prayer for unity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My adorable Jesus, may our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our lips pray together to gain mercy from the Eternal Father. Amen. O Blessed Lady, spread the effective grace of thy flame of love over all humanity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station of the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. Join us for the spirit world on the Station of the Cross. Don't be laying hands on people and definitely don't be giving commands in the name of Jesus, leave so-and-so. So what can we say if we feel like there is demonic activity? What can we do? The sacramental graces of baptism, confession, and the mass remove the vast majority of demonic problems outside of possession. The spirit world, every Saturday at 11 a.m., right here on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes. Our lines are open. You're still welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483. Just before the break, we read an email from someone who wrote in anonymously and said, is it true that the current Pope recently stated, I may go down in history as the one who split the church? And if so, how did you react to that statement? 
And um, thanks be to God for our wonderful producer, James. He led me to the article at 1 Peter 5, where that statement was made. And I looked quickly and said it was made December 23rd. What I didn't see is that it's December 23rd, 2016. So made um, seven or so years ago. Um, and the, the, the line here from um, 1 Peter 5 says, um, it is not to be, quotes Pope Francis uh, as saying, it is not to be excluded that I will enter history as the one who split the Catholic Church. So now um, that's even more uh, dire because uh, it, it, it indicates that our Holy Father had a plan to do this and that was involved from the beginning with those who had such a plan to destroy the church. <clears throat> we have an email from Nate, and, and as far as my reaction is, um, nothing new under the sun. I think by now we've learned that about Pope Francis, who is destroying the church, who is trying to change um, doctrine and practice and seems to be the chaplain of the one world order. Um, so many evidences of this, so many occurrences of this, so many statements and actions that could be quoted. Um, so my reaction is it, it's, it's not new. It's not new for him to have said it. Um, you know, I guess the Holy Spirit wanted us to have a, a preview or a hint of what was coming. We have an email from Nathan who said, Hello, I just wanted to ask a question regarding the SSPX. That's the Society um, of, um, of Pope Pius X. He says, For the past month or two, I've been attending an SSPX chapel, not out of disobedience and rejection of Vatican II and whatnot. I just have a deep love for the Latin Mass, but location is limited. Am I allowed to receive the Eucharist from the SSPX? Would it be a grave act on my part? I have never received the Eucharist from them, but I feel a deep sense of emptiness of not being able to partake in the Eucharist. Nathan, <clears throat> to my understanding, it's never been settled officially from the Vatican that the SSPX is not in schism. Um, many good men, many bishops throughout the world believe they are not in schism, um, again, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, who was sent by the Vatican to uh, do an um, examination of them all over the world, concluded they are not in schism. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not aware that Cardinal Raymond Burke has changed his position as one of the highest canon lawyers of the church, who still says, to my knowledge, they are in schism. Um, very, very difficult to know. Father Gerald Murray, a high canon lawyer, um, I don't know that he's sure himself. Um, very difficult, so I can't say. But um, I believe that our faith says that if there's not a chapel or a church nearby you, that you can receive the Eucharist from the SSPX. Their Eucharist is valid, and you can receive from them. Uh, I don't believe it would be a great sin. Uh, again, location. If you're not able to get to Mass, you can receive from the SSPX. Um, we have an email from Jamie who says, Hello, Mother. <clears throat> oh, 
oh no, I'm not going to be able to answer this right now. Do you know the reason why the Eastern Church, Eastern Catholics celebrate Eastern Orthodox, in other words, those that are um, and Eastern Catholics, that's, an, that's interesting, celebrate Christmas on a different day. Um, I don't know the answer to that, Jamie. I'm going to look it up. Uh, Jamie says, it seems strange to celebrate such an important day on different dates, especially with fellow Catholic Christians. It sure would. And I'm going to, uh, I have to look that up, Jamie. Um, and uh, so I'm going to ask James to keep that on the board, and we'll get to that first thing tomorrow. We have an email from Jacqueline. What is the hardest part of being a nun? I'll tell you two things. Um, In the beginning, I've been told this by religious priests, and I have found out that it's true. Um, I may have said this before. I'm not sure if we didn't have this question before, but when a woman enters religious life, she comes to die. I I think of... um, um, uh, Bonhoeffer's uh, statement, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's statement, that when um, uh, God calls a man, he bid him come and die. And so we come to die, to die to self in order to give ourselves to the world. But dying to self can be a lifelong process, and it's not pleasant. Um, We're heroic, and we want to do it. Uh, We want to live for God, but uh, we don't know what dying to self means until the process begins. And when we're at home, when we're on our own or uh, we, we, um, we're not under such authority or strict rules uh, of an order, if we get depressed or we want a break, we can call a friend, we can go for a walk, we can watch a movie, we could eat a dessert, we can go to sleep, we could do what we want. And that um, is an escape. Every one of those, food, sleep, walking, calling a friend, seeing a movie, all of that is an escape for, from the emotions so we don't have to deal with them. We soothe ourselves. But when you go into religious life, there's none of those escapes. You can't just go for a walk when you want or eat food when you want or talk to somebody when you want. You can't do that. And so the result is you need to face your, what you're dealing with. You need to face yourself, um, uh, things in you that you've never perhaps dealt with because you've been able to escape them or cover them up. And that can be very, very painful. And during that stage, there are many who simply leave religious life um, because it's very painful. We had one sister who left uh, a month or two ago uh, for that reason, she just couldn't, just couldn't have things taken from her, including her, her cell phone. She could not have things taken from her that were signs of her freedom. And I understand that, but you can't be in religious life if, if that's the case. And so um, that's one thing at the beginning that's extremely hard. Um, and, and many, many women who, if not more than not, who enter religious life struggle with that. Um, and so, uh, the second hardest thing is when you're over all that and you do die to self and you are detached, you have no more attachments except you don't love God enough and it's very painful. 
You know you want to love him, but you don't love him enough. And you don't know how to love him enough. That is painful. Um, I know that uh, personally. And so I, I have to accept the fact of, of what John de Croissant has said, that the desire to love God is love itself. And we accept that because it's not Satan who's going to cause us to desire to love God. It's God himself. So if I think I don't love him or I know I don't love him or I don't love him enough and that's painful, I trust that that's God doing that in my heart. And I trust the, the, the mystics and the theologians to say that the desire itself is love. Not where we'll be one day but where we are now. So those are the two parts, one wanting to escape, the other um, painful because you don't love God enough. God bless you all, and we'll speak with you, God willing, tomorrow. God bless you.